This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Mook Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Mook Delivery, like McKenna, brings a top tier lineup. With Leap Davis-esque delivery right to your door, you'll always be winning with Mook Delivery. So the only thing left to say is, you win. Order now on the McDonald's app, and you can also get rewards points delivered too, so that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only by app at participating restaurants. 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee, and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello, you are listening to the Blue Monday podcast. This is a three times weekly audio show looking into the exciting happenings of Richmond Town Football Club. My name is Benjamin Bloom. I'll be here each and every Friday for the Blue Monday preview show with a special guest to get their insider view on the next opponents for Ipswich Town. Ladies and gentlemen, it's Middlesbrough. Um, So from the Borough podcast, Mr. James Howell. James, how are you doing? I'm not too bad. Thank you, Ben. Thank you for having me on. Oh, no. Thank you for for giving up your time. what is your vintage, James? How how did it start for um, for you with with Middlesbrough, and um, what are your kind of first memories of going there? Um, I'm I'm sort of relatively late to the party, really. I uh, didn't really get into football till too too much later on, um, having missed all sort of the glory years of European runs and cup finals and cup final wins. So I sort of started following them properly in about 2009. And- so I was. Relatively baptism of fire with getting relegated straight off the bat. So it's been pretty nice. dire since. Didn't you remember the first of, game? Uh, yeah, my first game was uh, at home against Bolton. It was a nice three-one loss, I think. Beautiful. Which kind of kind of set the tone for the last sort of ten ten years, I think. Plus, out. Um, what we normally <laughs> do on here is we go over the last meetings, but um, uh, to be honest, we, this is the third ex Premier League team. Now we've already had. Hull and Sunderland. So we'll just go back a little bit farther because obviously Borough, you won't mind me saying, have yo-yoed a bit the past um, the past few seasons. So we need to trawl back to the 2015-16 season. Um, Aitor Karanka, the fiery Spaniard, is the manager. Um, <laughs> Borough uh, in the midst of a promotion season. Um, and... I, I moan about this every week that the random fixture computer has exactly the same fixture on December the fourth, twenty fifteen. It was Ipswich nil, Borough two, on a Friday night on Sky TV, and the curse of David Nugent strikes again. His one billionth goal against Ipswich. Um, <laughs> at that point, Borough playing really, really well. They're in a run of thirteen games, basically the run that probably got you promoted. Um, 
13 games mid-season, 11 wins and a draw in those 13 and a defeat, 11 clean sheets. Can you just talk to me, any recollections of that game, but moreover, that period and Karanka's sort of ludicrous defensive record? Um, yeah, it was a bit of a bit of a great season, really. It was that that game in particular. You know, at the moment in that sort of run, we were just just grinding out results, and we didn't seem to be able to put a foot wrong. Um, the wheels kind of fell off in the new year when the big sort of hoo ha around the Charlton game uh, after he Karanko sort of walked out. Um, well, walked out, sort of was asked to leave, and there was a bit of a bust up on the training ground. I think between some of the senior players and him about his rigid style. Um, but after that, when he came back, it was another sort of six wins on the spin, and, and, and we sort of dragged it over the line. Um, the Ipswich game in particular, you know, it, it was Friday night, like you say. I remember sort of watching it in the pub. Um, yeah, just a relatively solid game. We weren't we weren't anything special any, at any point throughout the season, really. You didn't sort of didn't dish out too many hidings, and we were just able to sort of win it through this this rigid style of play that Karanka implemented. Um, Obviously, his sort of prodigy of Mourinho, so it was all building from the back, and you know, with the uh, clean sheet record, like you mentioned, there was was remarkable, um, <clears throat> and it was our sort of defence that kept us up. The the partnership between Ayala and Gibson, which hasn't really been rectified again this season, despite them playing a fair few games together. But then there was before before we went up, there was something like they'd only lost three games when they played together. One of which was like the playoff final, so it was really built on a solid basis of those two, and our midfield partnership as well of Clayton and Lebiter, your old boy. Oh yes. Um, so you know it was just just a solid solid spine, uh, but we never quite managed to get up to click with the forward, but was probably why we didn't score too many goals. Really, um, it was Karanka's style again that some say held us back, and we could have really put some teams to the sword that season, but you know it got us up in the end, so we can't really complain. So you think a mixture of of his team shape and his tactics as well as some good players, it wasn't like... Because sometimes you get runs like that where it's it's one player who's like marshalling everybody. But you think it was there was a bit more to it than that? Yeah, there was there was a fair few sort of leaders on the pitch at that time. And even though uh, sort of thinking of Ledbetter himself, Gibson, Friend and uh, Dimi Constantopoulos in the goal, who was... A bit of a veteran, veteran really. Um, that they all sort of been able to sort of grab games by the scruff of the neck, which seems a bit peculiar even now that they're all still with the club. That, that we're not, we're not, uh, we're not able to do it at the moment. Yeah, I and I, I just remember. I mean, McCarthy's good at saying this stuff, but um, I think he was talking about when we lost that game. The difference being, well, Downing and Nugent, and I think they were like four and five million each, and you know earning you know two or three million each a year as as well and it's just a strong defense I remember it being a strong defensive um kind of unit and then like you said without being particularly flamboyant enough quality um it's just that we knew Nugent was going to score but it was (laughs) it was how like a breakaway goal and he just outpaced Smith and it took a like gnarly little deflection and it was just just sit off the post wasn't it (laughs) I don't know quite how it ended up in the net but it was like he just outran our guy um the shot was just good enough it just deflected and then in off the post and you're like I I was working I didn't go to that game and you 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 know you imagine the worst case scenario we talked to this with the Preston fan Nugent came up there and 
you're actually at the point. Although we played Derby um, uh, about the week 10 days ago and he got taken off at half time. He was rubbish. So I think the curse might have been might have been lifted. But we, we, we're at the point where it's like I would rather lose 3-0 than lose 1-0 and Nugent score the goal. Do you know what I mean? It's got, <laughs> no, seriously. God, that ridiculous. Um, so like you mentioned, um, Karanka has a bit of a meltdown, but then you win a load of games and then... The, the next Ipswich game is in a run of four draws at the end of the season um, going into this kind of blockbuster uh, winner-takes-all, um, drawer-takes-all in the end uh, game against Brighton. Um, so tell us about the from the moment of the meltdown, because we, we all thought he was going to go, um, and then a win of seven games. And did you think you'd stuffed it up at the end and then... That must have been a hell of a day against Brighton, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it was all a bit of a bit of a strange one with the bust up, but they sort of all eked out on a, on the Friday night. That um, you know he'd walked and he wasn't he wasn't taking he wasn't going to be at the Charlton game and something had happened and he was asked not to come to the training ground over the weekend and it seemed like the wheels had just completely fallen off when we were only sort of a few months away and in a really good position to go up. Um, but I think this this was where sort of credit has to go to the chairman, really, that he managed to sort of grab everyone together, sort it all out and, and patch it up. And then, yeah, then that sort of win a, win a run of seven games where I think it was a, the game against Hull where the, the man himself, David Nugent, clinches it at the last minute. And then we suddenly sort of start snowballing with these seven wins. And there was a few sort of last minute hairy moments there because I remember the, the, the Bolton game where we were away at Bolton. It was, I think it was a lunchtime kickoff. Uh, Bolton were almost certainly relegated at that point um, and they were beating us up until about the 80th minute and then we scored two goals late on and it was a bit like that for the rest of the season but those four draws at the end were really sort of cagey because um, you know we've been in the championship for seven years at that point and it wasn't wasn't fun and the, uh, the year before we lost the playoff final so it's like we're not gonna not gonna mess up this time but the Brighton game itself was Obviously, sort of a 90-minute heart attack. Um, yeah. The uh, yeah, and then then we scored early on. David Nugent setting up with just some just basic set piece play from a free kick, and then as soon as, as soon as Lewis Dunk got sent off for Brighton, really that changed the game entirely. Um, it, David was a definite red card. He nearly took Gaston Ramirez's leg off, but after yeah, it was just sheer elation really when we finally finally went up after three managers and fortune spent on failed projects under Strachan and sort of uh, balancing the books under Mowbray and then sort of finally kicking on under Karanka. It was just a massive relief, really. We, you know, we don't, weren't bothered about winning the league, you know, it's just finally getting up. Just just quickly um, off off subject, we, we obviously love Mowbray and I, I thought he was going to be the one to do it because I remember at West Brom, he was sort of quite open and played quite attractive football and it was you know, going back to the home club. Just quickly, what's the what's the view on um what's the view on Mowbray now? Because I know when he used to come back as a player, your guys used to give him standing ovations and all sorts. Um, what's the view now? He's had that managerial run. Uh, the man the man walks on water as far as, as far as Middlesbrough fans are concerned. But what he's given the club, not only then when we were sort of relatively hamstrung financially and balancing the books, we sort of. Bargain, bargain basket, free signings, and sort of left left field Nigerian strikers and things like that. That even though it didn't quite end well for what he did in sort of the '86 season, 
uh, is is folklore really, and, and it's vital that he was there at that time and he was the man to guide us through what was the most difficult point in our club's history. Oh, great stuff! Good, good, because we we love him too. Um, right, like I mentioned, we've had Andy from Hull and Graham from Sunderland on the show already this season, and it does get quite depressing at this bit. And we have we have the <laughs> we have the discussion of um, if you're not. Arsenal, Spurs, Chelsea, Man City, Liverpool, or Man U. Does the Premier League suck that much? And do you kind of prefer it down here? I mean, you're you're up for one season. All the all the work kind of gets undone. Karanka goes. At, what what went wrong? And can you sum up the Premier League experience? And just from your view, is it any better than the Championship? Um, there's, there's, there's obviously positives and negatives to it, really. I'd say that the Premier League isn't fun as such. It's more something you've got to endure. Because last season, we looked OK until about December. You know, we were sort of middle table. We probably weren't getting as many wins as we should do, but we weren't. We didn't really see any hidings until, until after Karanka went, really. Um, it wasn't, you know, it's nice to be sort of among the big names and you can get excited about games. But at the end of the day, you are sort of celebrating when you pick up a point against one of the big sides. And it's not... It's not great. It's, you know, one of the worst things that I noticed in particular was, you know, it's a week between games. <laughs> the enjoyable thing about being in the championship is you've got two games a week and there's something to look forward to and you can write off the last result a lot quicker. Whereas if, you know, you're getting beaten 3-0 by Stoke, it's a lot tight. It's a lot longer a week to sort of stew over it. Um, yeah, I mean, it was, it was fun until the December game. I think it was the uh, Leicester game about this time last year, actually. Where we were we were in the lead twice and then we pegged back by two sort of stupid penalties and he thought and he started to think that you know this this season might turn um, and it did you know we didn't we tried to improve in January we had three sort of relatively looking back on it now absolutely ridiculous transfer targets we wanted to get Hesse and Hesse from while he was still at PSG uh, Snodgrass Delafeu and it was no chance in getting any of those three and so we ended up with. Rudy Gestead and Adelaine <laughs> Guediora, who has played about three games since he joined and has looked utterly dreadful since. Um, so, yeah, and then then it unraveled and then sort of certain players just started, well, no, I don't know, I'm hiding it. Gaston Ramirez absolutely let us down, really. He was he was our sort of inspiration in getting us up, really, in the January when we brought him in before. He was that little creative spark that managed to push us over the line, but then he just started dialing it in. So it was been relatively disrespectful, really. The Bournemouth game stands out, for instance. You're getting two bookings in the first 20 minutes, and you know, and it was just he was a bit of a disgrace, and he's a bit of a villain on two side. Mm. Um, and yeah, you just you just you're not prepared for the step up in quality, really. You kind of think you're going up against these the West Broms and the Stokes, but you just realise that they are so much better than Championship sides, and that you know they're in the Premier League every season for a reason. That they will grind out results no matter what. That's thoroughly depressing, isn't it? <laughs> you, you actually think about it; it's, it's your hobby. It's supposed to be fun, and we do have we do have these discussions. And obviously, Ipswich get a load of piss taken out of them, having been in the Championship for sixteen years, and they're the longest longest serving team. But there's something to be said that, for example, if you were sixth, or I don't know, fourth to eighth, or something like that, and you were challenging for the playoffs. You were scoring some goals, like you say, two games per week. Um, I don't know. It, 
can be quite good fun some of the time, can't it? <laughs> yeah, you, you don't mind taking the occasional loss. It's just, I mean, there was, I mean, last season we won four games all season. That's, that's, that's yeah, that sums won. it up, doesn't it? Four games. I mean, it was two wins off Sunderland, which is always nice to be a rival, but four games in a year is thoroughly depressing. Yeah. Um, okay, so that brings us to close season and in June. 38-year-old former Swansea and Leeds boss Gary Monk comes in. Um, I like Gary Monk. What, what, were your, what were your thoughts on the appointment at the time? At the time, I thought it was a fantastic appointment. I think he'd sort of... He'd never done himself any harm with the jobs he'd taken. Especially at Swansea, he did really, really well there. And then, you know, he he climbed aboard the booking Bronco that is Leeds United. And it was... And managed to ride it out for the whole season. So, so fair play to him. And he did really well with them. I think they only, they only just missed out on the playoffs last season. So I thought, yeah, nice. So we've got a, sort of a bright young manager. It's something that we tend we tend to go for, really. You know, we, we do, apart from maybe Mowbray and Strachan, you know, we've always appointed relatively upcoming managers in sort of Karanka and Robson at the time and, and McLaren as well. Um, so we thought, yeah, brilliant, nice appointment. Knows knows the championship well. Has sort of proven he could do it at this level with... Uh, with Leeds and has has a, a decent whack, despite being so young, of, of Premier League managerial experience as well. Um, so I thought it was it was probably the best appointment we could have gone for, really. But that's not not being not being quite fulfilled. Yeah, well, we'll, we'll get on to that in a in a few questions time. But I, yeah, I I agree with like pretty much all of what you just said. And if you look at it, if you get a guy, I I just looked him up when I was doing the script before we. Did the, did the call and I don't know if you hire him for five years and he's still there potentially you've got a 43 year old guy with virtually 10 years of experience knows the league and the big criticism that you get of McCarthy is that he's slightly out of touch when he comes up you know against a manager who's 20 years younger than him that they know all the newer methods and the newer tactics better than he does so he does he does tick a lot of boxes. He does David Brent sometimes a little bit when you <laughs> when you see him in interviews, doesn't he? But he's yeah, he, he, his his interviews are something that I know, I know, I know we will sort of get onto it. But and he's and he's it, Twitter James as well. Oh, it's dreadful, isn't it? It's so <laughs> bad. There's like there was something that surfaced among sort of uh, the borough Twitter about um, there's like a selection of maybe four or five of his tweets from his time over at Leeds as well. Uh, and they're all virtually identical being, you know, we're disappointed with the result. We've got to work hard to improve it and all just just sort of cliche after cliche, almost copy and pasting the time. And it's it's not really going down too well, if we're honest. I can't remember who it was. There was a Premier League player who'd obviously been sent by the social media um, person uh, yes. to <laughs> tweet something like this. And it still had the... <clears throat> parentheses in it <laughs> just copied and pasted yeah. it. one of the Sunderland players wasn't it oh that, that would be about right they didn't give a shit <laughs> uh, so uh so Monk comes in and you get a good old clean out here um were you sad to see any of the following names go so Darun Rhodes Ramirez Espinosa Fisher Husband Guzan and Baptiste obviously Husband went up the road to Norwich. Rhodes, we're obviously very familiar with here. And Ramirez, yeah, if you've ever played football manager, um, <laughs> interesting guy. Um, 
any of those you were particularly disappointed that you want to kind of touch on? Um, not particularly. Some of them, there were a bit, bit sort of passing, passing traffic. Really, there were only most of them were only there for this season. There were a bit of sort of failed projects. Um, Darun was Darun was quite good actually. You know, there was a lot of hope placed on him, and we spent a fair, we spent about 12, 10, 12, 12 million pound on him, and uh, he was quite good. He got a lot of game time in in the Premier League. But Guzan, you know, he was remember the, the day we got relegated against Chelsea. I think it was three goals through his legs. It was a bit bit of a joke. Uh, Espinosa played his first game against United and looked unbelievably good and then was a complete liability since then. Uh, husband never really got a look in. He was always playing second fizzle to George Friend. Um, who are the others? The, you know, Gaston, obviously, we've touched on. There was a bit of a bit of a charlatan, really. You know, he, he turned what? it in when, when he wanted to and then when he, did, when he couldn't be bothered, it was very, very clear. Why do you think Rhodes didn't work out? Because obviously... He was at Ipswich. We Roy Keane sold him for no money, and two hundred goals later, he's your kind of. <laughs> no, seriously, I think it's something like one hundred and eighty or something like that for Huddersfield and Blackburn and everyone. Well, he's not really doing great for Sheffield Wednesday, but that's gonna uh, that manager will be out within about three months, I think. Why? Why did? Why did he not work out there? Um, I don't think he was a Karanka signing, to be honest. There was there was all sorts of screaming for a striker for us to sign in January. Oh, it was, McC- was McCormack or Rhodes, wasn't it? Yeah, and I think Karanka had wanted McCormack, which, yeah, you can kind of see was, might be more sort of his player. And Rhodes, Rhodes, I think, was signed a little bit. Of, the rumours are that he was signed a little bit over Karanka's head. Um and so Karanka never really fancied him. And he sort of played a fair few games and got a, got a handful of goals in the run up to the end of the season. But then as soon as Negredo came in, he got barely, barely a sniff of first-team football. Mm, interesting. Um, so a lot of incomings and Middlesbrough were kind of used as the um, the kind of example for, oh, the championship's gone mad. Look at the money now. So um, <laughs> Baker and Roberts on loan, Johnson, Christie... Shotton, Randolph, Housen, Fletcher, Braithwaite, Asombolonga. So McCarthy said of Benitez and Newcastle, he tried to he basically just signed all the top championship players at Richie and Gale and Hanley and uh, and we saw Villa do it in January. Um do you think this was the this was the the plan from Gibson? Um, relatively so. I think when you sort of use Newcastle, for example, there's more championship experience in the players they've signed. I think some of the players that we've brought in, okay, obviously a Sombolonga sticks out as, you know, a tried and tested goal scorer in this league. And, you know, he's hit the ground running. But some of the other players that you've mentioned just there aren't necessarily fully adjusted to the league. Um, okay, no, I, I put Cyrus Christie in that bracket with the Sombolonga as well. He's been excellent, as has Randolph. Um, but players like Marvin Johnson, Ashley Fletcher, and Connor H- Roberts. Housen was good for Norwich. Of course, yeah. Housen's been good, actually. He was a bit of a slow starter with us, uh, to be fair. But he's, uh, ever recently, when Monks had to rely on some of the more experienced players, he's, he's formed quite a nice partnership with Ledbetter, actually, um, despite already being suspended once this season. And um, he's a bit of a yellow card merchant. But he's he's, he's been... Excellent, a bit of a slow starter, like I say. Um, but some of the other players, like Braithwaite, was a bit of an unknown quantity and, again, cost us a fair bit from Toulouse. I think he was about best part of £10 million again, which is, like you say, a championship gone mad. But he's been an excellent player. Um, I'm not necessarily sure. So I think some of the other ones, sort of Marvin Johnson and Ashley Fletcher stick out. 
particularly as just not quite being having adjusted yet to the league. And I think fans have been relatively disappointed with them so far. Uh, I think especially as we sort of signed Fletcher outright from West Ham. I think it was only because he was on loan at Barnsley last yeah, season. Yeah, McCarthy um, went for him on, on loan, actually, uh, for us as well. Oh, really? You can, you can have him in January. He's, he's, not been, <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's not been great at all, I don't think. Are you aware of Martin Waghorn? We don't need him. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I was just looking, actually. I was having a little bit of research in Ipswich before. And Martin, Martin Waghorn's been around a while, hasn't he? He was... I always, always remember at Bristol City and sort of popping up occasionally, but I can't believe he's got 10 goals already this season. For, for, <laughs> the, for the money we've paid, it's, yeah, it's um, yeah, insanely successful. Son. Um, can you just either debunk or confirm the theory that Steve Gibson is this amazing chairman? Because he's kind of, when everyone talks about old chairmans firing people too soon or not giving any money, they say, and the one who's the, the best one is Steve Gibson. And you're kind of like, yeah, 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 that's that's lovely. And then you actually think about it and you're like, okay, so he spends a lot of money. Um, he's been there, what, since 93, 94 or something? Um, 86. 86, holy shit. Yeah. Um, and you think, I mean, is he as amazing as people say? Because from the outside, it's like, okay, great. But does he make any money and has he had any success? And there it is, that's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like home comforts. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home advantage with Delivery. You win. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus. Serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Blue Monday are delighted to be partnered with TalkSport Fan Network and NordVPN, giving you the best possible offering for browsing the internet securely. NordVPN opens up global streaming options for content not available in your region by switching your virtual location quicker than Wesburn's running down the wing. NordVPN acts like your cyber Sam Morsey whilst online, protecting your personal data and sensitive info like passwords and credit card details from falling into the wrong hands. For about the price of an ITFC match program a month or a Blue Monday Telegram subscription, you can get yourself a NordVPN account which can be used across six different devices. If you need to rapidly change direction like Amari Hutchinson, there's a 30-day money-back guarantee. To get the best discount off your NordVPN plan, go to nordvpn.com forward slash Blue Monday or click the link in the podcast or YouTube subscription to be taken straight there, supporting us here at Blue Monday in the process. Um... I think the the best thing about Steve Gibson is is he's he's as, as you know he's a local boy done well bought the saved the club in '86 uh, when it was about to get liquidised and just pumped money into it since. Um, I think you know he is, he is he is very loyal to his managers, sort of incredibly loyal. Really, it doesn't isn't one to sort of it doesn't doesn't pull the trigger too early whatsoever. You know, we had some terrible runs under certain managers. I'm thinking, especially Mowbray. You know, there was one. 
I think from the start of the year till about October, we won two games over two seasons, and that's just a dreadful run, really. And it, it was it was kind of fair agree between both of them to go. And the same same with Karanka, really, is that after Karanka had left, you know, people were sort of saying he was sacked, but Steve Gibson came out and did a did a full interview with BT Sport afterwards, um, and sort of said that you know he's not. He's not been sacked, you know. He, we've both agreed for him to leave. He's and they even used the phrase he'd sacrificed himself to try and turn things around. Um, and all the managers sort of speak very highly of Steve Gibson, and, and you can kind of understand why he sort of lets them get on with it. Doesn't doesn't get too involved with the sort of the day to day of it, but has obviously a wealth of experience that he can impart and is able to sort of help help managers along the way. You know, he's. He's not, yeah. I think sort of the only his loyalty is probably some to his detriment sometimes. Um, even thinking back to sort of when he's worked with Brian Robson, bringing in Terry Venables, which didn't go down too well, but kind of worked out relatively well in the end. And he gives he gives managers their full support as well, even with get, getting a checkbook out <laughs> very regularly, I suppose. Mm, yeah. No, I was just playing devil's advocate with it. I'm sure there's Ipswich fans kind of going, "What are you talking about, Ben? You know, we, <laughs> we have we have Marcus Evans, and you're criticising a local guy who's really loyal to managers and spends loads of money." I just think, in the end, you, if you're chairman of a football club, you either have to you have to do one of two things: you either have to make a profit for yourself, or you have to win stuff for the football club. It's one of those one of those two things, isn't it? To yeah, absolutely. I mean, and, and Gibson isn't in it to make money. <laughs> he's no, okay. not. He's not that daft. He, you know, he he's doing it because he he genuinely cares about the club, and he was used to go as a boy, and it was he sort of stepped in when when he need when the club needed needed someone too, and he he stuck by them, stuck by him ever since. And you know, we wouldn't be, we wouldn't have had the success in Europe that we did, or the uh, or the sort of the cup win without his full support. Um, and you know, and everyone still speaks very highly of him. That that's worked with him, and he maintains good relationships with everyone. So it's it's, it's he's, a, he's a real credit to our club, actually. Okay, great. Um, so the season starts with defeat at Wolves, which I think is going to be quite a common result for a lot of teams <laughs> this season. Um, but that was followed by one defeat in twelve, um, fair few draws. But if we can just hone in on August and September, pretty good start you'd say how did how did monk um settle in he he was he did okay in the first first few months it was always we were always sort of aware that with the amount of incomings that we did have that it would take a fair while to settle and a fair while for him to sort of get his ideas across so you got to kind of give them a bit of breathing space initially um but it started out relatively well um the one of the issues that we sort of had is that the impression that the fans sort of got is that Monk had bought for a four-three-three, which we set up with at um, at Wolves. You know, we sort of set up with the Sombolonga, Braithwaite, and I think it was Ashley Fletcher as a front three with House and Darun and Ledbitter, I think, or Clayton. Um, and so that was the sort of style we were going to play. But then since since then, that's kind of gone out the window, despite all the results being relatively promising. Um, we sort of switched more to a four-two-three-one formation, which we've kind of had for the past few years now. I think a um, lot of sorry to cut you off, James. I think a lot of yeah. Championship managers, even McCarthy, everyone's kind of getting lulled into the four-two-three-one because it's one of those ones where you get a trend and everyone else is playing it. And we went away to Leeds and 
we really we really could have beaten them. But they had that that little row of three players, and if you then don't drop a second defensive midfielder in, do you know what I mean? You're you're, mm-hmm. you're shafted. So I think what's happening is everyone's pretty much having to play it to kind of just cope with when you do get. Uh, I think it would have been Saez, Alioski, and whoever the other uh, Hernandez. I think for Leeds and so I think it's one of those ones where you get a trend and everyone has to set up to to do the trend you know what I mean yeah absolutely you know the, the sort of the, the approaches to the formations and tactics are relatively cyclical aren't they you know they, they, exactly, they come around yeah. and go again there'll be one team that in the future will adopt a 4-4-2 and start, start bashing teams out of the way but well Sheffield moment... United to a certain extent with the 3-5-2 um, were, mm-hmm. were doing that because they were the ones that but you know, you you never see four four two and and wide players anymore, do you? No, not such. And so we we'd kind of thought that we might we might even delve into that this season with having uh, some of the players that we bought, and we might even thought we had the textual the sort of tactical flexibility with the depth of squad to to apply that, and it's just not not happened. I don't think. You know, we have we do have some excellent wide players as well. So it's, I mean, everything's there to want to make a fist of it, but I don't know. It seems to be. Flogging a dead horse at the moment with the, with the four. Yeah. Well, to be fair, the four three three has gone about the window, I think. Um, so the second batch of games sees a five win, uh, sorry, a five game streak of no wins, and then in true championship fashion, the past eight games, four wins and four defeats. Classic stuff. No, <laughs> no draws. You got to love it. So um, Borough are ninth, six points off the playoffs. So tell me about the the recent run, um, the pressure on Monk and kind of how you're feeling about it well really it's six months in now yeah absolutely yeah I mean we should start sort of see some kind of sort of fruits of his labours really um the one the main worrying thing over the past past sort of six games is that we can't beat any of the teams around us and that's becoming a ser- serious worry amongst the fans as you know we're losing to it to not not have switched <laughs> uh to, to, to Leeds <laughs> to Leeds, Derby, Bristol, Cardiff, uh, Wolves. You know, we've lost to all of those. I mean, we somehow, somehow, controversially beat Sheffield United earlier in the season, but that that should have been a draw. They had a goal chopped off at the last, which was an own goal, but the Lino gave it for offside. Um, that we get, so we can't beat any of the teams around us, which is, is becoming a bit of a worry, really, because I don't think you're going to get, you're not going to get anywhere near near the top six without being able to do that. Um, and though that, that's been the main disappointment. You know, we, we were happily beating sort of QPRs and the, the Birmingham's and the Sunderland's. That's, that sh- that sh- we should be taking that as red. But again, like the past two weeks against Leeds and, and Derby, it's which is going to be another massive test for us. Interesting. Very, very interesting. Um, right, so looking at um, Saturday, um, can you kind of give me the standout players of the season so far and... If you can, a potential sort of starting eleven and, and formation. Sure, um, I think sort of the, the standout players so far has, has got to be Osama Belonga. Really, he's been fantastic. He's been such such a such a breath of fresh air in our in our eleven. Um, are you maybe, sorry, sorry, James? Are you aware of Osama Belonga's record against Ipswich last season? No, please, please do tell. Scored four goals in two games and missed a penalty, and one of the goals <laughs> after he demolished us last season but you know when we're sitting here on podcasts trying to be all clever about football and stuff when I watch yeah. when I watch the song Belonga it reminds me how simple football is if you have a bloke who's pretty powerful can run pretty fast 
can kick hard with both feet and header and you play him for 46 games, he will score 25 goals. You know what I mean? <laughs> this is really yeah. straightforward with him, isn't it? Yeah, he's 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 brilliant. We sort of the fans absolutely love him, and and it's rightly so. You know, he sort of plays with a smile on his face, and he's always he's always giving out to centre halves. I think I remember the the Reading game earlier in the season. They had a bit of a ding dong with McShane throughout the game, and it was it was brilliant to watch. You know, he's, he doesn't mess around, and he and he really enjoys what he does. Um, and every time you sort of see any interviews with him, he comes across so well. He just seems like such a nice bloke. Um, you know, that's really sort of really down to earth and content with what he's doing. Um, but in terms of any other sort of standout players, Martin Braithwaite, who has been a bit, who can make things happen. He's been fantastic on, if turn flashes of real. So where, where does he play, class. James? Usually sort of behind, behind the striker. This is a number 10 sort of role. Um, that he's been, he's been brilliant. Uh, sort of when we get the games against Hull, he was, he was fantastic. He'd sort of pull in the strings and tore him apart really. Um, those are sort of our stand-up players. Some of the other players that have been relatively solid, and I sort of mentioned Cyrus Christie and, and Darren Randolph earlier. That's interesting because they... I remember the Derby fans on Twitter when Christie went, they were like, oh, amazing. We got two million <laughs> for Christie, but you said he's been good. Yeah, he's been, he's been fantastic. He's been really, really, really solid and sort of well-balanced as well because, you know, from full-backs, full-backs at the moment need to offer something going forward as well as well as in the back. And his delivery is, is fantastic. And the, the goal again against Hull, the ball he put in for um, Britt was was phenomenal. Just really sort of deep, deep swinging in cross, and couldn't have been, couldn't have placed it better himself. Cool. So, what, what about a possible sort of starting eleven then? Starting eleven. Okay, um, I may I may be wrong with some some of the ones. It's a bit of a uh, do, bit do of a lottery when we get to the midfield. Yeah, but in terms best. of back five, will be uh, Randolph, Christie, uh, Gibson, Fabio, and maybe. Between Ayala and Fry for the other centre half position, I think Ayala sort of had a bit of a meltdown against Derby and sort of gave away a pen and got sent off and sort of blew up the team really. So I'm not sure whether we're going to rely on our young, young coming through centre back Dale Fry. He's only about 20 years old. He's he's been fantastic when he's played. Uh, midfield is where it gets a bit more interesting because we never know who's going to start. You know, we sort of Housen was banned for the last game, so. But he didn't keep Ledbetter in. He put Forshaw and Clayton in. But I suspect he'll need some more sort of experienced heads in against a well-drilled Mick McCarthy side. So I expect uh, Ledbetter and Housen to start, uh, along with Downing, um, maybe Triore, uh, Braithwaite and Osama Longa. Yeah, great. Um, that's my start, start at 11 for There's a few, it's, sorry, there's a few players I want to ask questions about now. Um, sure. Gibson, I, I remember, weren't there massive bids for him? And hasn't he been? Is he really good? Yeah, he's fantastic. He's you know he's 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 a very solid centre half, and I think he's probably a little bit overinflated just because he's English and left sided, which there are few about. I think there's only sort of John Stones that really stands out as in that bracket. Um, so I think he he was relatively prized over the summer. Uh, just just to help you know, the talks of Liverpool City and then West Brom as well, but I don't, I don't think anyone actually came through with a bid for him. Um, but you know, we sort of slapped on a was it twenty five million price tag straight off as soon as we went down. Sort of saying, you know, he's he's not going anywhere really, and he doesn't want to go anywhere either, which is quite nice. He's a nephew of of Uncle Steve, um, Steve Gibson, so it's good. 
you know, he's another local lad who kind of wants to see the club do well. Um, he's been fantastic since 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 he was brought through properly under under Mowbray and Karanka. Karanka brought him on leaps and bounds. So he's he's fantastic, and he's he's sort of the first name on the team sheet every week, really. Well, what about um, Traore? Because I always remember <laughs> him being outed as the statistically the fastest player in the in the Premier League, and then I remember that he's one of these annoying wingers that one week will be incredibly brilliant and then be bad for five weeks. Um, is um, Am I right about him? Absolutely, yeah. Traore is the most frustrating player in football. He, he could be the world's greatest footballer, except he can't James, actually you're, play you're football. you're talking to a team that had Fanidi George. We, we totally... <laughs> Fanidi George broke the Carlin Opta record in his first game for Ipswich and we thought we we genuinely thought right, we're going to finish we're going to get in the Champions League this guy's <laughs> insane and then he was just rubbish it was made no sense anyway the, sorry Traore no yeah the thing, well, the thing about it is he's got all the potential attribute he is the quickest player I have ever seen um, you know there was, there was a moment last season against it was up against Hector Bellerin who was again very very pacey and Traore just left him for dead um that was yeah, that was one of his first games actually. He he's he's unbelievably quick. He's unbelievably powerful. His dribbling skills are phenomenal. But in terms of actually playing the rest of the football, he he can't do it. He can't he can barely put a cross in. Sometimes um, he can't really pass. And he's just a sort of head down charge at defenders. And he'll he'll, he'll beat three or four players and then just sky it into the stands. Yeah, what I mean, how 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 he's got through. Barcelona's training academy and not being able to pass I'll, I'll never understand <laughs> what it sounds like is um, he sounds like the sort of player where you actually need to build your tactics kind of directed towards getting him running at people and I, I always remember yeah. when, when Arsenal were really good they um, when they were defending Henri used to go and stand on the halfway line on one side didn't he and whoever yeah. received the ball played it early to him and then like this whole phalanx of midfielders just kind of appeared, didn't they? And it, <laughs> uh, but obviously, someone like Traore, someone like Henri, is incredibly reliable and brilliant. And someone like Traore, presumably, you you wouldn't build your. Did you know what I mean? To get the best out of a player, absolutely like, no. Yeah, we always use the Neil Warnock and uh, Tarap example, where it's like, right, okay, this is the tactic for the whole team: give Tarap <laughs> the ball in the other half everyone else just defend fine but it sounds like he's not reliable enough to do that no that was kind of like you know, I mentioned the Arsenal game last season it was one of his I think it was his first start is that Karanka came after the game and sort of said that they'd they'd made allowances for Traore just to stand away from it and that gave him no defensive responsibility and as soon as we could break uh, this was away at the Emirates so as soon as we could break just pass it to him and he'd just run the entire length of the pitch at pace, and you know, he nearly actually scored in that game, and we sh- we should have probably won, but he was yeah given no defensive responsibilities. The team was covered; it was just give the ball to him and just let him run. Um, and he will do that. He will he'll beat players. He'll he'll leave them for dead. He'll yeah. But it's it's the thing after the most important thing of getting a good ball into the centre heart and centre forward that he just can't do. I think for the Ipswich fans, because football is supposed to be entertainment, isn't it? I think. It's just great. We've got Selena on loan from Man City, who's scarily quick, and there's just something really entertaining about seeing a incredibly fast player in full flight. So it'd be interesting if Selena starts to see a foot race between Selena and <laughs> Traore, because Selena's quick, but it sounds like Traore is sort of 
different level. Um, anyway, how do you see it playing out? Um, I had a little look. Borough are 12th in the league for home form. Ipswich 11th in the league for away form. Are you going to beat us? If so, how? Um, if we're going to beat you, it'll be a relatively dull 2-0, I should imagine. But I'm not, I'm not particularly looking forward to this game. Because I think some of, while you were saying that Mick McCarthy might struggle against younger and maybe more adventurous managers, I just think that we're going to be undone by Wiley Mick McCarthy in the same way that we were undone by the old Fox Neil Warnock earlier in the season when Cardiff came. So what, what, happened, what happened in that Cardiff game then? Not much. They just kind of sat back and just took a chance and got a penalty late on. It was really sort of dogged display by them. And I'm kind of expecting Mick McCarthy to do a similar thing. You know, we, we've always struggled when teams have had to come to the Riverside because unless unless it's one of the big teams like last season, is that they just sort of set up set up relatively solidly and just we struggle to break them down all the time. It's been a real problem we've had for about three three years now is that when people don't want to come to the Riverside to play football is that we just sort of hammer at the door and nothing really happens. Yeah, the weird thing about us this season is that we've we've scored loads of goals purely because there was a load of injuries at the start of the season. And he ended up having to play this weird four four two with two forwards playing um, wide. So we ended up with four forwards on the pitch, and then that transitioned into this four two three one thing, where we still had mm-hmm. it was Garner, Selina, McGoldrick, and Waghorn all on the pitch at once. So it was the um, I saw Cardiff actually a couple. Uh, I don't know, it must have been two months ago, about six weeks ago. And their team was just basically split in half. They they like had a goalkeeper, four defenders and two defensive midfielders. And then, um, how many players am I left with? Uh, four attackers. Do you know what I mean? So it was just yeah. basically in two halves. They didn't really work so much as a team. But um, we've had Joe Garner playing most of the games. And he's very, very good in the air and kind of the outlet. But he hasn't played the past two games. So what happened was we did exactly as you described at Derby. We scored from a corner after four minutes and then Mick, whatever you say about him, just brilliant, just shut the game down, <laughs> stood on the touchline the whole game, directed all the midfielders around and, um, you know, if you'd have been a Derby fan, it would have been the most irritating watch in the world. But obviously, you know, brilliant away win. So he, the past couple of games, he's kind of, in that away game, he played 4-1-4-1 and... Mm-hmm. And we sat in, so he's definitely going to do that against Wolves later in the month. But um, he he may do that against Borough. It's just we scored so many goals now, and Waghorn's playing so well that um, I don't know. I don't know whether he will sit in. I, it's it's really really hard to tell. I think so. The, the one of the, the most important thing about about this game again is something that that we're again quite worried about is that once when we've gone once we've gone behind, we've only won one in eleven. Or at least got, I think, even got anything out of the game. Um, so that's you know, if you, if you, like you say, if you come up and score early on and just sit back, it'll be, uh, d- d- it'll be three points in the bag for you. There's, there's no, no worries I about can, that. I can debunk that for you, James. So at Hull, <laughs> at Hull, we had the lead and then went two-one down and scored right at the end. Um, against Sheffield Wednesday, we had the lead twice and drew two-two. Against Forest, we had the lead twice and they got us back to two-two twice. We did go on and win. 4-2. Uh, we're just all over the place. There's like loads of goals, loads of different systems, loads of... Um, uh, McGoldrick's not around, which... And he's kind of the... You know, you're talking about Ramirez. He's kind of our um, our guy who can do a trick or 
score a volley or some you know good bit of skill he's not around but we actually look more solid when he's not around do you know what i mean okay yeah no i understand entirely it's much of a similar thing with triore you know he can he could do something magical but you know you're, you're a lot more consistent when he's not on the pitch mm, interesting um have you got a prediction for me then um i'll take i'll take a 2-1 i think if you're 2-1 to the borough uh if you're not too confident about leaking goals, and I think we should be okay. I think it, it is getting sort of desperate for us to turn things around now. There's people sort of calling for Monk to be sacked already, and he's he's not endearing himself. You know, everyone's calling in the Monk bot just because he's so robotic in these interviews <laughs> and so like so just just like you say, Brent. Um, he's not he's not endearing himself at all. So I hope. I mean, obviously, you want you want to see him do well, but time time's relatively running out. But I don't. I think that's a bit. Bit I, premature. We're, we'll we're very happy on the podcast. I'm sure you are too. That Nigel Adkins is now now back. He's been hired by <laughs> Hull. So so the the Brent quotes are going to be they're going to be there in full force. Um, right. Uh, tweets in um, questions for you, James uh, Beacon Bell. What is uh, your recollection of UEFA Cup hero Alan Armstrong? I mean, I mean yeah, I saw, I saw this one come through, and I, I have to admit that I've, I've never actually—he was a bit before my time, really. But I did ask—I did ask sort of the other podcast lads about about Alan Armstrong and Graham, sort of the older, the older gentleman of the pod, sort of said that you know his, his debut was somewhat real special. But I mean, that's 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 as much as I can say, I'm afraid. Uh, Ian uh, lofted on drive. Does James miss Ayrson Park? <laughs> Again, yeah. Like the, between between the three of us that do the pod, though, we've got one. One visit of Ayrson Park. We left. We left in 1995. To be fair, so it was a little bit before our time. I think Graham, Graham's one of the, Graham's first game there was the second competitive fix, the, the second to last game ever played at Ayrson Park. So, and that's when he was nine. So it's again a little bit before our time. I'm afraid. Uh, does James think Gary Monk would suit a moustache? If so, <laughs> are we talking about handlebar Fu Manchu goatee? Thanks, thanks Sam for that one, Sam Willingham. I mean, the, the goatee would certainly add to the uh, the Brent the Brent impression, but, uh, <laughs> and then the brown the brown leather jacket and the earrings. Sergio Sergio Giorgini. Oh dear, yeah, you you can still get him. Uh, Nathan <laughs> says, where does he see Borough in the next two seasons? Um, the next two seasons, that's quite interesting. I think, I suppose, at the moment, the season is very close to being a bit of a write-off. I think. You know, if results don't pick up before the end of the year, I don't think we've got any hopes of, of going up, uh, even even with the playoffs. Um, I think, you know, six points already, a lot of teams between us and then, you know, it's a lot of teams that need to fall away before we can start kicking on, yourselves included. Uh, but, you know, there is always that one team that makes a late surge from the middle of February and just, just, just crashes the party with the playoffs. But I can't at the moment, I can't see that being us. Um, over the next two seasons, I think, you know, if we end up, if we finish... Ninth or lower, I don't think. I mean, I'd be surprised. Well, the, the, Gibson's loyalty might again play detriment, and and, and keep. And he, us, he's only thirty-eight as well. Well, true. Yeah, he's only he's only thirty-eight. Um, but I suppose as long as if we can see the shoot to there, then I don't see why he wouldn't get a second season. Um, but you know, if we don't go up this season, I can see us competing again next season, probably probably in a stronger position. Really, um, I know that. It took Karanka a while to to adjust and to get his ideas across, and you know, steady the ship in the first season, um, and kick and kick on. I think what Monk kind of may have underestimated is sort of the hangover from last season. Really, you know, we still have a fair few players that were in that relegated side, and 
it really wasn't a happy place to be by the end of it. There was sort of splits in the dressing room between some of the Spanish players and the uh, sort of the the English lads, and it was all it got a bit hairy. So I think there's still still a few few wounds in that dressing room, but hopefully, which hopefully it'll come round soon enough. I'm just chuckling along to myself. I'm, you know, the Alan Partridge, Tony Hares. Have I got a second? series <laughs> give him a second so I'm imagining Steve Gibson and Gary Monk in the, in the BBC and Gary Monk running out with a big thing of cheese and having having not got his second season there we go um, right enough nonsense from me um, right so tell us a bit about the podcast where we can find it and uh, are you going to be talking about the Ipswich game next week yeah we'll be we'll be definitely covering the Ipswich game next week um you know sort of with this podcast has been running a season and a bit now we started started with our first year uh when we were in the Premier League last year and it's been relatively tortuous since there's not been too much too po- too much positivity on there since we started you know there's three of us it's me Adam and Graham that run the Borough podcast um it's available in all all the usual places your iTunes your Acast and other podcast providers um but it's been good it's been great you know we had a bit of a bit of luck in the summer where we managed to interview a few few of the borough uh, a few borough legends uh, this soccer sixes event in in london um managed to talk to ravanelli Janino, merson even y- yakuba was there as well which is nice to grab him for five minutes to have on, a chat. imagine that front <laughs> i mean you, you, you they don't do much running but wow <laughs> Well, yeah, and, and with the little fellow in there, it doesn't really matter. He's, he's still got it from when we were watching well, the game. And, uh, I mean, Merson is trying to destroy his um, his legacy, but he was a bloody brilliant player, honestly. Oh, absolutely. He was he was the one that sort of, when we went down in 96, 97, he, he was the one that sort of got us straight back up, you know. Did the same was, for Portsmouth, didn't he, as well? Absolutely, yeah. He was he a was fantastic player on his day. It's just when I think it was him and Gaza used to live together when they were at Middlesbrough, and it was like, that's, that's never going to work. Yeah, that's, a, a few. that's an excellent idea, isn't it? Yeah, let's, <laughs> let's pour the petrol on the naked flame. Yeah, great. Um, so, uh, sorry, um, it's, so it's the Borough Podcast, and it's on Acast, Apple Podcast. Well, what's, the, what's the Twitter, James, so people can say thank you for doing this show today? Uh, yeah, the Twitter is just at the Borough Podcast. Um, so yeah we're, we're, yeah, we're on Twitter and we've got a Facebook page as well, which has been left relatively dormant, but you know, the best, best way to catch us is on Twitter. Cool. And we always do this, um, and this is going to be interesting cause it's not going to be Janino cause it's past. Um, <laughs> so we always ask everyone and please don't be afraid. Who do we have? Justin Whittle from Hull, the Terry Herlock from Brentford. Um, it, who's your favorite Borough player since you've been, since you've been watching? Uh, yeah, like I say, it's been pretty pretty dire since I've been following Borough. Really, you know, it's been relegation and just just championship. Alfonso Alves, <laughs> absolutely <laughs> not. Never saw him kick a ball, thankfully. Um, now I'm going to go with a bit of a left field one, but Kike. Okay, I think he was. You know, he only played. He was with us for a season and a half, but he just didn't look like a footballer. He had a sort of mid twenties Spanish lad with like a receding hairline, and just didn't look like athletic at all. But he was wonderful, really. He just he just scored goals and lot of important goals, and absolutely loved playing. And he was sort of the start of things turning around for us. He was sort of our first relatively big signing under Karanka, really. And he was, led the line and just you know the goals away at. Lord, remember the goal he scored when we beat Man City in the FA Cup three seasons ago now. Uh, beat him at their place 2-0 and he scored a, a 90th minute one to seal it and it was just the sheer relation of him just climbing in the stands with all the fans he was just a really good lad it was sort of sad to see him go in, in the January as well but 
kind of had to make way for Rhodes, but he's, he's always remembered fondly amongst the Borough fans. In he goes, Kike. Um, right, I think we've made it to the end. So if you've made it this far, you will probably be a subscriber. But if you haven't, subscribe to the Blue Monday podcast on Apple Podcasts and Acast. If you do so, please give us a nice five-star review and a nice comment. Um, we'll be back on Monday for the flagship show, talking about the Borough game that James has just predicted. Hold him to this, that Borough are going to win 2-1. Um you can check out my uh, YouTube videos um, if you just type Benjamin Bloom into YouTube. I'm not going to be at Borough. I'm going to be at the 100 Club in London working. So um, there won't be a YouTube video after this game. But we will send our spies. Do not worry. Um, I'm on Twitter at Benjamin Bloom. But you can follow the podcast at Blue Monday ITFC. Um, James, I had a look at the fixtures. Um, if we can get you back... It'll either be a really interesting one or a really boring one because it's the last <laughs> it's the last yeah. game of the season, isn't it? So can we get you back it before is. that one? Uh, absolutely, yeah. I'm more than happy to. Uh, imagine to, we're uh, sixth. And, you imagine you're sixth and we're seventh or something. Oh, like not another Brighton game. <laughs> oh, that'd be that'd be great, wouldn't it? What what's more likely is we'll be. You'll be seventh and we'll be eighth, and neither of us can reach the playoffs. And <laughs> season's and, over weeks ago. Yeah. yeah, seasons seasons gone. There you go, um, James. Thank you so much for giving up your time. We're fifty three minutes in. You've been absolutely fantastic and uh, very very knowledgeable. Um, we'll give you the the last word and sign off the podcast. So make it a good one. Okay, thank you very much, Ben. Wish Ipswich all the best for the season starting at about five o'clock on Saturday. Lovely stuff. Thank you, James. It's the promotion running. Everyone is gathered round to watch. The McNuggets share boxes are there offering much needed distraction. Your mate's already been booked for double dipping, but in you swoop to steal the last nuggets and claim all three points. Oh, and there is the Harry Clark fist pump to celebrate. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in at participating restaurants. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver-assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely, and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.